This CBF podcast conversation is presented to you by Fuller Seminary. Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry offers a practice-focused theology education. Study online or on campus and learn from Fuller seasoned scholar practitioners and apply what you're learning to your own context. Whatever your ministry goals, Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry will help you take the next steps in your vocation. For more information, visit fuller.edu backslash M-A-T-M degree. That's fuller.edu backslash M-A-T-M degree. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Conversations. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship through interviews with people doing groundbreaking work and renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from ministers, authors, and practitioners from across the fellowship and beyond. This is Andy Hale. Before we get to our conversation, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of CBF's podcast. We also want to let you know that if you have authors, practitioners, or other people that you think we should feature on the podcast, be sure to drop me an email at ahale at cbf.net. That's A-H-A-L-E at cbf.net. And now, on to our conversation. Well, our guest for this week's conversation is Brian Dixon. Brian is the author of Start With Your People, Online Sales Formula, and Social Media for School Leaders. Brian is also a consultant and coach for universities, publishers, and nonprofits. Brian, thank you for joining the conversation. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Now, for those that aren't familiar with your story, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, you know, I, I, was, a, I was a church kid. I, I was a, a preacher's kid. And uh, so I grew up, uh, my, my dad traveled and he would go to different, different churches every, every week uh, and preach. And so I was sort of, I guess, on stage from a really early, uh, like early in my childhood, you know, um, we would, we, we were always the, the guest music. So my sister and I, uh, were, were, would sing like when we were like little kids, you know? And, and so I just, from an early age, like I fell in love with the idea that there is an audience, like there are people out there who need to hear from you and who are inspired and encouraged by you sharing your gift with the world. And that was just sort of part of growing up. You know, so like every week we go to a different church. Sometimes, uh, you know, my dad was sort of on this preaching circuit, if you will. So I think it was every like 12 weeks, he'd go back to a church that we'd been to three months before that. Um, and, you know, we had a different song. So there's the practicing, there's the performing, there's, there's that nuance of, you know, when you're, when you're at a church, you know, you want to give glory to God and it's, it's, it's his gift that you're stewarding and you're sharing. So just all of the, the pros and cons of the church baggage, you know, just dealing with, with all of the nuances there. And, uh, and so I, I took that with me as I grew up, uh, was a worship leader, you know, playing guitar and singing songs and leading people in, in worship at churches. And, uh, I was in a life changing car accident, my freshman year of Bible college, uh, where, you know, we were T-boned. It was a really icy road. Couldn't have been prevented. It was, it was just these just strange weather that, that day. Uh, and I had three doctors tell me I would never walk again. And I was lucky to be alive. Um, and through God's grace, uh, I have, I've done multiple triathlons and marathons, uh, speaker, 
you know, published author. And I just, I live on borrowed time. Like I just, I know that my life is not my own. And, uh, and I, you know, Jesus says that, that, you know, the greatest commandment, right? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he says, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that the reason I'm here, my message to you guys listening right now is to help you figure out how do we love our neighbors ourselves? Like, how do we start with the people in our life to, to encourage them, to show up for them, and to really help them thrive? Uh, because that is how we change the world, is by being united, right? And, and that's what it's all about. And so that's really, um, that's why I'm here. Well, all right, we have to do, we have to go back to something real quick. Did you guys yeah. have like... Um like uniforms that you would wear when you'd go into these churches? <laughs> like, I'd, like I'm imagining like Parker oh family-esque matching outfits. I think that was my mother's dream. I don't think I wore, like I never wanted to wear the things she wanted me to wear. But yeah, like I think we do that as parents. I, I'm now a dad, you know, I have three kids. There's three, six and nine years old. And I, I don't know, there's something fun about like having your kids like, look a certain way or, you know, do a certain thing. I, I, I love playing with, with, with online video. And so there've been a number of times, like I've been that dad, you know, like holding up the camera and going, okay, like say that line again, guys, you know? So, um, yes, I have some video evidence, uh, that I've found on old VHS tapes that we were all matching as we sung songs yes that, that just, i mean that honestly makes my day if not my week <laughs> but you know it's kind of fuck heavy. and these people will remain nameless but uh we do have occasionally you know people that will email you know your church or your organization with kind of like you know they use your contact form with you know this wonderful ministry they have and yeah. uh, we had somebody email the church office last week through a very hidden contact page where it was like they look, as somebody said, they looked like the, the fourth or fifth member of Rascal Flatts, just kind of the, you know, the pressed, you know, jeans, the, uh, you know, the very fine looking top shirt and just thought, well, I'm sure that speaks to somebody. I just don't necessarily think they're going to be coming and sing it at our church. But no, I, I'm kind of the opposite parent. Like I loathe being dressed in matching outfits with my two brothers when I was a kid. So my wife tries to, when we go on vacation, like, Hey, let's wear all matching shirts so we can see each other. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. So, you know, at least when, if we go to Disney or something like that, she's like, okay, we'll all wear Star Wars shirts today. Great. That yes. works for me, but like not all. <laughs> matching the same shirt. So now, now tell me, how did you, how did you end up leaving, uh, the, the sun state for, um, you know, California for the beautiful land of the pines? You're in North Carolina now, right? Right. That's right. Yes, we were. So I was teaching at a, at a Christian school in, in North County, San Diego. And we, you know, as, as you do when you're married is, is one day, maybe not, not everybody, but for us, we found out we were pregnant and we, thought, uh-oh, like, how, how do we do this? Like, how do you live in Southern California and have babies? And like, and still, you know, at, un, with a Christian school teacher salary, especially one, if, if Julie was going to stay home and trying to figure that out, or does she go back to work and then do each other? Like the whole conversation, which can be really troubling. Right? It's, it's a big decision to try to figure that out. And, you know, I, I believe like just through God's providence is my career started growing and I started speaking and consulting in the, in the K-12 education world. And I, um, through a, a few, actually tactics I teach in the book, in my new book, Start 
with your people. So I call it the people map. Like, who do I know who knows somebody who can help me kind of get to that next step in my career or that next position of influence? Um, I reached out to somebody who said, you know, I basically said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for my next challenge. And at the time, he just happened to be on an advisory, an advisory board of this new idea, this new school startup, uh, believe it or not, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So for us, for those from Louisiana listening, you know, I, I lived in I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for four years. We moved from San Diego to Louisiana to start a school, um, which was an incredible experience. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done, uh, but also so fun and so rewarding and, uh, and, and stayed there for the first four years of school, you know, started, started from the ground up, recruited the first teacher, the first kids, and then saw it to a, a sustainability. Uh, and then, and then I had the opportunity after that to just start helping more authors and speakers as I kept growing my, my stuff to help others. And that led me eventually to, uh, working from home and moving to Charlotte where our family is located. We just happened to switch places because I just left North Carolina after 27 years. I'm now in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Are you Are you kidding me? No, I'm the. Uh, I didn't even know that. That's amazing. we didn't talk about it before we started recording. We'll, we we'll, didn't. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about it afterwards. So, uh, so tell us a little bit more about your uh, your work consulting <laughs> and coaching. Yeah, um, what I do is I I help people figure out the the three legs of the stool when it comes to sharing your message. So it, I call it a messenger, and and in a lot of ways, if you're in church leadership right now or, or you're in that faith-based space, you're a messenger, right? You have a message to share and an audience to serve. And those are the first two components of the, of the stool of your online business or of your messenger platform or whatever you want to call it is what's my message and who's my audience. So who is it that has the pain that my message is going to help them overcome? But the, the third leg where most people get stuck, and, and Andy, I was just on a coaching call before you and I hopped on with somebody who she, she knows her audience, she knows her message, but she's really stuck with her products, which is the third component. So I call it AMP or AMP, right? Audience, message, and products. Um, and so the product might be um, somebody tithing, right? Somebody donating to the thing you're doing, but how do you get paid for it, right? Maybe it's an online course that you offer. Maybe it's a uh, a monthly membership site or or one-on-one -on -one coaching or a group coaching. Uh, there's actually 14 different ways to make income from your message. And that's really what I help people do now. I do that through uh, a writing membership community that, that is a, it's a fee to, to join called Hope Writers, which has grown to over 3,000 members in the last, we started about four years ago. So that's one of my main things I do is, is support writers through Hope Writers. And also I offer this clarity coaching, helping people figure out their audience, their message, and their products. Well, last week you released a new book, Start With Your People, The Daily Decision That Changes Everything. And this book is a, f a fascinating work in which you invited uh, anonymous people to write past experiences with you as an exercise in self-evaluating leadership development. Mm -hmm. You wrote, I never set out to be manipulative or conniving, but over the years, because of my driven me first approach, I burned a lot of bridges. So let's start there. Uh, why? Why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> why? Yeah. Why did I do the the assessment? Right, the three hundred and sixty assessment, anonymous assessment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so think about it. Right. For those of you in ministry right now, for those of you in leadership, you you interact with people on a daily basis, and some of those conversations go 
really well. You know, you, you meet with somebody, they have a question or they have a problem and you, you serve them and they leave encouraged. They write you a thank you note. You know, they double their tithe next week because they just feel so served. But not every conversation goes that way, right? Some of them are really hard conversations. Some of them result in somebody leaving the church or, or speaking badly about you behind your back uh, or you know, so yeah, telling other people, don't, don't go to that church. Don't work with that guy. Don't, don't listen to that lady. And I think in, in the process of just being humans that are not, you know, completely sanctified, right? Like we're not, um, we, we are not <laughs> perfect, right? We still have sin in our world. And, you know, even for those of not of faith, like we know that this world is not perfect, right? We make mistakes every day. Um, I, I knew that if, if I wanted to, if I wanted to figure out how do I how do I get to that next level? How do I keep growing in what I'm doing? How do I um, serve people in a in a bigger way? And I I mean I believe you know I'm, I'm on borrowed time. This life is not my own. I need to be a steward of the gifts the Lord's given me. If I'm going to be a good steward, I need to get out of my own way. Okay? And I need to know what are the roadblocks that I'm setting up for myself, right? It's sort of like the old, uh, the plank eye analogy, you know, instead of pointing out the speck in my brother's eye, like what is the plank that's in my eye? And, and I just believe it's really hard for us, Andy. It's hard for us to read our own label. It's hard for us to know what are we awesome at, but also where we really suck. And one of the best ways to, to do it, to, to figure it out is to ask other people. But, but in truth, especially in leadership, it's really hard for people to be honest. You know, they often say like that the head of the organization, whether it's a pastor or CEO, is the last person to know the truth, right? People, people don't come to your church anymore. And it's, it's, a, it's a matter of weeks, maybe months before you start to figure out, wait a second, I haven't seen them for a while. They don't, they're not going to come to necessarily come and tell you why they're leaving. Um, and, and so that's the challenge. It's how can I get feedback without the threat of uh, retaliation. And uh, anonymity is a dangerous tool, right? It, it can be, it, it be eye-opening, it can be revealing, or it can really be hurtful. Um, and so uh, allowing people to anonymously tell me, here, Brian, here's what you're good at, here's where you're stuck, and here's what I really think of you was a really hard thing to do. Hmm. This book is an invitation to put people first. And you wrote, People Matter, A Life of Profitable Purpose starts with focusing on your people listening to them, showing mm -hmm. up for them, and serving them. I want to come back to this in just a bit. But I think in order for us to put people first, there's usually a bigger barrier in the way, uh, namely me, myself, and I. So yeah. walk us through the inner dynamics of self-impediment to putting others first. Well, I'd, I'd start with the, the device you're listening on right now. You know, it's catered to you. It's your phone or your computer. Like it's just built around what am I curious about? What do I want to learn about? What do I want to do? Like me, 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 you know, um, I love technology. I absolutely love technology, but technology for the most part has become about us. Improve my efficiency. Help me get more out of my day. Help me learn and be entertained by the things I want. And it's just, it just makes sense that that would trickle, that, that sort of philosophy would trickle into our relationships where, you know, I'm not really listening to you because I'm checking my phone. 
it just happens that we are at a point where we're getting used to being served. Everything we want is a couple clicks away. And how do we apply, like, how do we now navigate relationships? You, you look at, I mean, some of, some of my millennial friends, like they're struggling. They're struggling with maintaining long-term relationships. They're struggling with really uh, that deep and lasting commitment. And I'm, I know I'm painting with a broad brush, but I think it's just becoming an increasingly larger challenge is to really see people for who they are in Christ, who they are as, as a fellow son and daughter of the King and, and seeing them as, as somebody who's worthy and valuable of your, of your time and attention. And actually, you know, you look at the golden rule, putting them before us, like serving them like we want to be served or treating them like we want to be treated. And that wasn't something that I was doing. It was a huge blind spot in my life. And I, th- I think that's why this message is resonating so, so much with people. It's kind of one of those books. It's like, I, I've always known that, but I didn't know how to live it. You know, I've always known that, yeah, of course I need to put people first. Like people, of course people matter, but we find ourselves in a position in our culture today where maybe we want to do that, but it's so much easier to, you know, post something inflammatory on Facebook or, or to watch another YouTube video, you know, or to ignore the request from somebody who really needs assistance because I'm too busy. You know, I think busy is the enemy of, of true service. Uh, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, um, loneliness is the leprosy of our generation. So we're more connected than ever before, but we're also, um, our, our, our relationships uh, aren't, aren't as deep as maybe they used to be. Well, let's take this uh, a little bit deeper. Um, mm. 360 assessment um, involves asking people you work with and collaborate with to give honest and often anonymous assessment of your leadership skills. It, it bridges the gap of how we view ourselves versus how others view us. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe take us a little deeper into what's the wrong way to go about a 360 assessment of self. <laughs> um, so let's let's assume you're in a position of leadership where you have a team that you're working with. Um, the wor- the the worst way to do it is sort of the Michael Scott from the Office way, you know, where where you ask people for their their feedback in person, and as soon as they start giving your feed their feedback, then you start arguing with them. <laughs> You know, um, I've, I've seen this too many times in leadership uh, teams where, you know, people are too, too scared to be honest with the boss because they're, they're afraid of, of reprisal, right? They're afraid of what the boss will say or how it'll affect their raise or, or their retention. Um, and so then they sugarcoat it. And, and I think it's so important as leaders, especially leaders in ministry, for, to, to have a trusted group of people who can speak life into you. Um, and I talk about this in the book to have a mastermind group or to have a group of peers who can, who can see things a little bit more objectively that that's one strategy. Um, so for example, you know, our, our pastor has a group of pastors he meets with on a regular basis. So he doesn't get so full of himself. Right. And, and he can get that feedback from peers. So that's one way to do it. Uh, another way to do it is, is, you know, an anonymous survey like the one that I use where you send it out to people that are in all areas of your life, not just your professional work or your ministry work, but also in your relationships. Also, maybe people you used to work with, um, people that are at your level and people that, that are also, you know, that, that, uh, that you're leading. And to, and to ask for that feedback anonymously is, is kind of scary to put yourself out there, but I also, you know, the truth will set you free, right? Knowing the truth about who we are and how we approach people, and especially Andy, about how 
people, we come across to people. I, I have, here's an example. I was speaking at a conference, this is about two years ago now, and it was a friend. It was a friend that was, uh, owns and leads the conference. And so it was a very warm and friendly room. And we got all of these assessments back at the, at the end of the conference with, you know, glowing reviews, like Brian, Brian's a great speaker. He was so inspirational, all this stuff. And then my friend Carrie said, you know, Brian, like great feedback, but there's one thing, there's one thing that you could work on. I'm like, okay, buddy, what is it? Like, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. And he said, you, uh, there was one person, <laughs> there's one person that said, you use the word okay too much. Like when I'm explaining a point from the stage and I say, okay. And he said, you know, it's a challenge because people can't really say anything. Like if, when you say, okay, what do you want them to do? You want them to shout out, okay. He said, you know, I, I even watched the video and, and I, I counted the man, amount of times he said, okay, it was several dozen. And I just, I think for you to be a better speaker, just watch how often you say the word, okay. Um, I said, great, like, got it. Thanks so much. But I got to tell you, Andy, that one comment, even though it was, it was wrapped in love, it was, it, was, it was shared in a way that was very constructive, it still ruined my day. Like, I thought about that for weeks afterwards. And I, and I kind of started thinking maybe I shouldn't be a speaker at all because if I, if I do this one mistake, what else am I doing wrong? It's really hard for us to take feedback. But when we have people that we trust, people that love us, people that want to see us move forward, give their feedback, it can be so helpful. This podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health. At the Center, we believe God has called and empowered congregations to change the world. For 25 years, Center consultants, coaches, and educators have been supporting congregations, clergy, and lay leaders as they meet the ongoing challenges of congregational life, including training ministers to manage transition, helping congregations work through polarizing conflict, coaching clergy to discover and utilize their gifts for ministry, and assisting congregations in discerning God's call to future missions and ministry. Center consultants and coaches don't dispense expert advice. Instead, they recognize the uniqueness of each congregation and work to create the space needed for God's people to discern and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Please visit our website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about the center and find the help you need in order to thrive in missions and ministry. Okay. Uh, sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> so I, I don't remember who. I, I don't want to do it though. <laughs> I don't remember who said it, but there are um, there are difficult people in this world. Okay, pretty yes. much everybody yeah. uh, says there are difficult people in this world. Um, so every day is a, a, a tactical operation of navigating personalities and massed emotions and loaded mm. questions and hidden agendas. Um, you wrote, when, when you put people first, things begin to change. Relationships are restored. Enemies are turned into friends. You can move forward with integrity and vision, knowing that you've dealt with difficult parts of life. Yeah. This sounds wonderful and idealistic, but what does that, <laughs> what does that practically look like to navigate, navigate difficult people? And obviously, we could talk about that uh, you know, for, for hours, but in, the, in kind of the context of, of this That's book. Right. Well, especially as a leader and in a leader in ministry, you know, you can't choose like you, you just can't choose who you work with. It just doesn't work that way. And, and I, you know, I led a nonprofit uh, in the education space for, for almost five 
years, I couldn't choose. I, I couldn't choose who the parents of my students were going to be. I couldn't even choose most of my students. You know, I couldn't choose. Um, I had three superintendents of the local school district that I worked with over the, over the five years, three different superintendents. And each one increasingly hated me and the mission of our school. Like they just saw us as a threat to what they were doing and they were difficult people and I still had to work with them. And so the truth is, you know, Christ said, in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, I think he could have even said, in this world, you will encounter difficult people. Like, it's just part of the trouble of being alive. But you can't fire them all, right? There's a great book called You Can't Fire Everyone. Like, you can't. You can't get rid of everybody. You can't, you can't kick everybody out of your church. You can't fire everybody off your leadership team. You know, you can't choose necessarily your board or, or, the, or the people that you're working with. And so you, the, the, the answer is through. Like, how do we work through people? How do we work with people? And how do we really see people? So there's a few tips I share in the book. There's a whole chapter on difficult people. Um, and I tell a story in the chapter about how I completely blew it, how I had such an opportunity uh, to work with somebody who is much senior to me, uh, really smart, but not wise, right? He, he knew a lot, but he didn't know how to live that out in a way that built people up. And he was the kind of leader that tore people down. And he just got under my skin one day to a point where I just let him have it. And that was not the right way to handle that situation. Uh, and what I learned in that experience and, and in others' um, experiences where I've, I've, I've had difficult people that I've handled better, um, maybe not perfectly, but, but definitely better, is to... Number one is to start by trying to clear the air. Just having that initial conversation. I just did a Facebook Live about this the other day, and I got, I got great feedback on it because the reality is we all have difficult people. But don't see it as this is between you and me. See it as how can we connect to better serve the people that are in our life, especially if they're on your team. So to approach them to say, you know what, can I just be honest right? That's a great way to start the conversation. Can I just be honest? Or, you know, this is going to sound crazy. I always like starting conversations this way, you know, Andy, this is going to sound crazy, but I just feel like, like you and I could be more on the same page. Like maybe it's something I'm saying or something I'm doing, but I just feel like there's so much more. There's, there's so much many ways that we can better serve our congregation. There's so many ways that we could better serve our community if you and I were like a dynamic duo. Like if we were the dream team and we were, we were working together, like imagine what that would be like. And I, I just don't feel like we're there right now. And so I, I want to take responsibility for my part in that. And, and I want to ask you, here's the second part. So number one, can we clear the air? Number two, you know, what would you see as barriers to us moving forward? Like what, what is getting in our way right now? Um, and, and so in the book, I talk about the, the whiteboard strategy. So essentially, instead of like sitting across the, the table or across the desk from somebody having this conversation is sit next to them and have the whiteboard or stand next to them and have a whiteboard and say, what I'm trying to do in this conversation is just to capture the issues. You know, what, what's preventing us from, from being on the same page from moving forward? I, I, I've had this conversation with teachers when I, when I was leading the school uh, in Baton Rouge there, and they, they knew the answer. Like, people know what they don't like about you, you know, or why you get under their skin. Uh, and so, you know, teachers that might be, I don't feel respected, or I, I don't feel heard, or I feel like you're too hard on me, or I feel like you're always... Uh, singling me out and to get it on the board. And, and that's, that's the 
goal. Once we get it down, we can clean it up. You know, once we write it down, we can see it and say, you know, these are the issues that we are going to solve together. Um, because the truth is every difficult person, um, we often vilify them, right? We, we sort of make up the story about like how evil they are, or how terrible they are, or how they, they're so mean and everybody doesn't like them. But in reality, there's a lot of people that like them. There's a, their, their family, right? They're maybe their spouse, their kids, you know, somebody sees that person as an incredible person. And there's just something about them that's, that's rubbing you the wrong way or, or maybe something they said or did. Like, I'm not saying they're the innocent party at all, but, but for you to move forward and to really start with your people, it begins by clearing the air, writing down the issues, and then setting a plan to start dealing with those issues together, as opposed to, uh, working on them, working with them. It's, it's fascinating. Your book is published under Zondervan, which is primarily for Christian communication. Yet this book isn't really laced with, you know, positive cherry picked scripture passages or cliche <laughs> Christian sayings, which was a breath of fresh air. So, so why, you know, this is not a, you know, tell yeah. us why you published with Zondervan, but why did you choose to um, kind of published with Zondervan and, and why this approach to leadership development without the, uh, for lack of better terms, Christianese language that we tend to have to throw into books. Uh, yeah, I, I hate that, right? I mean, Christ hated it, right? He, he called the Pharisees like white, whitewashed tombs. I mean, you can't get more, like how, how visceral is that description? Um, whitewashed tombs. Like, I don't want to live that way. And I, I don't, I don't want to be somebody who just spouts out the name of Jesus, but doesn't live it. Uh, and I, I, you know, I wanted to write a book that, um, Seth Godin says, you know, write a safe book. And, uh, what he means by that is that you want your message to connect to people and to break down barriers. And, uh, and so start with your people I, I, I very strategically. And my editor was on board with this. We, we wanted it to be the kind of book that um, a national grocery store chain could recommend to all their employees. And in 2019, I mean, it doesn't get more divided, like politics and faith, like you don't get more divided than that, right? On those two issues. And so, of course, I'm a believer. You've, you've even in this conversation, I, I quote scripture all the time, but I wanted to write a book that would, uh, that would really deeply connect with people. And I, the strategy there is, is what the Apostle Paul did at Mars Hill right? He, it's the, it's the statue of the unknown God where he said, I can tell that you're a religious people, right? I can tell that you're people who want to put people first is, is the message of this book. I know that you want to improve your relationships because people really matter, but maybe you're getting stuck in how do I do it? How do I, how do I live it out? So I don't, the whole book, not one time. And I met with the head of Zondervan. We had, we had dinner and he said, Brian, I went through the book and I didn't see the word God or Jesus one time in the book. And I said, you're right, because I want this to be the kind of book that you can recommend to your unsafe friend. I want this to be the kind of book that, um, you know, the local city council can adopt. Because imagine what would our city look like? What would the city of Baton Rouge look like if the mayor and the mayor's staff all read Start With Your People and they began that process of putting people first, really seeing their constituents as clients? Uh, I think that would make such an impact. So I love Zondervan. I love their history of, of supporting Christian messages. I obviously, I think we all can be really critical about, you know, other 
other people's work. And so, yes, I do think that there are just like in Christian music, you know, there's some music that's deep and there's some music that's really surface level in the same way. I think there's, there's every publisher would probably, you know, maybe behind closed doors, but they'd agree. There's books that are really proud of and there's books that they're like, Oh, that, that was a little too cheesy. You know, I wanted, I wanted it to be the kind of book that would deeply resonate with people. And, uh, once you get to know me, you know that I'm a person of faith, but you know, Christ didn't always lead with believe in me. You know, he led with, tell me, tell me about yourself. Right. He led with, um, you know, what are you looking for? What do you need? Like, if you just look at how many times he asked questions of people, here he is, the one person in the history of the world with all of the answers, and he asked more questions. I think that's so important us for us to, to, to learn from his lifestyle and from his legacy of building connections by reaching out to people that maybe others aren't reaching out to. What's your greatest hope for the book? I'm, I'm just honored to be here. I, I hope you guys buy it. I hope you read it. I, I hope it changes your relationships. I, I really do believe that each person, every, every single one of you listening right now, that there's one relationship in your life that if you died today, you'd have that regret. You'd say, oh, why? Or if they died, let's, let's flip it around. If they were in, my, my, my next door neighbor died of a heart attack three weeks ago. Okay. So he's the same age as I am. You just do not have tomorrow. Like you just don't know if you have tomorrow. Right. So imagine that that one relationship in your life, that something happens, they're in a car accident tomorrow. And today was the last chance you had to speak words of life, to speak encouragement, to really show up and serve them. Oh, think about the regret of never resolving that relationship, never reaching out and apologizing, never um, building the bridge that you burned down long ago. That might be with your spouse. That might be with your kids. That might be with that difficult person from three jobs ago. But that's, that's my greatest uh, hope for this book. I had somebody at church yesterday say, you know, Brian, I didn't think this book was for me because uh, her husband bought it. She said, but I picked it up and I read the first chapter and I realized there's three people in my life from more than 10 years ago, three people that I need to reach out to because I don't want my life to end without those relationships being resolved. So that's my greatest hope is that there's one relationship in your life, you've been stuck and you'll get unstuck by reading this book. So not a small task at all, right? <laughs> it's everything, like <laughs> everything. Like God could have given us, you know, he, there's so many things he could have done, right? Like you look at manna, like manna blows my mind. The idea that like food is falling from the sky, like that's crazy. So God could have made a big video screen in the sky and just like daily given us an update. Like, okay, here you go, Andy. Here's what I want you to do today. But he didn't, right? He gave us his word and he gave us his people. And we've got to figure out how to navigate this world with the truth of the Bible and dealing with people. Like, that is, that requires grace, right? That we need the Holy Spirit and we need each other. And sometimes I, I just believe this. Sometimes he puts people in our life that are like sandpaper, you, but, but the goal of sandpaper, right? Is to remove the rough edges. And, and some of us have these relationships in our life that just need that resolution. And that's, that's my hope for this book. If you want to stay connected with Brian, you can visit his website, briandixon.com. Follow him on all the different platforms of social media. Of course, go out and purchase Start With Your People wherever books are sold. Brian, thank you for inviting us to see that people matter. And in order to care for people, 
we often have to navigate our self-impediments. Absolutely. Andy, thank you so much. Well, that's it. That's our episode. Be sure to check out our annual sponsors' websites, the Center for Congregational Health at healthychurch.org and Fuller Seminary at fuller.edu. For more information about the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, including stories about our church starters, field personnel, leadership development, peer learning groups, and advocacy, visit cbf.net.